0: Hello and welcome to the Locked Unleashed Podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, joined by my co-host, The Zoobs, and we are back for a morning, uh, morning, <laughs> Monday night edition of the Locked Unleashed Podcast after a brutal weekend.
1: Yeah, we are in morning. Uh... <laughs> exactly. That's why it was, yeah, <laughs> exactly. We are in morning. Tell me this is rock bottom, Michael. Tell me this is rock Man. bottom, please.
0: I thought it was rock bottom like two weeks ago. <laughs> oh my <goodness. laughs> Like and and here we are. Like at the time, I was like, "We're." I think the the record we we're what, nine. We we're like nine, five and three. And I was like, "You know what? You know we're talking about how bad this team is." But honestly, like they're still over five hundred. And despite how bad they are, they're getting points. At the end of the day, if they're winning and getting points, we can't be that upset. And they got to get better from here on out, dude. That hasn't happened. It's been the opposite. And they're not even getting points anymore. <laughs>
1: no the I mean oh boy it was rough It was real bad um yeah where do well, we where should we start here
0: well for those who missed it uh, brutal weekend they lost four to two to the Bruins on Friday which I actually kind of like the game other than the th- the third period was a bit of a wish wa- uh, wishy-washy but the first two periods out there were great but then that Saturday night shellacking. From the Penguins, six to one, and they were just disgusting. And before we get to the games, um, yeah, I guess we can kind of kind of go through those first. So we can talk about the Bruins game, which wasn't terrible. Uh, personally, I liked the first forty minutes in that game, but at the same time, like the the, the little mistakes that they make always come back to cost them. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened with the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Like that Marshawn goal, you give up that much space, uh he's going to go he's going to go in and score that, you know, 9 times out of 10. And referring to the to the the 2-1 goal to to kind of start kickstart that uh uh that third period for the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Like
1: I what were your thoughts on the Bruins game? Uh I thought, you know, sort of similar to what to what you said, uh, through 40, it, I thought it was a fairly even contest if not they were up uh, a little bit but yeah. the margin for error for this team is is razor thin right now uh and especially against teams with talent it's been a running theme throughout this season already is is whenever they give a team with talent these openings those teams take it and and Boston it's what they do right we 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 know this uh Brad Marchand is not, not his first or last time doing this to the Maple Leafs they they finally stop Pasternak from scoring and then Marchand has two and you know Coyle gets on the board so um, I think this was a a team in in a bad spot putting up a decent effort for the start of it but ultimately really not having enough to get past all that Boston presents as a challenge and certainly set a bad tone for the rest of the weekend certainly
0: and like i i'm looking back now trying to remember all the goals so the first goal that was you know cody cc chases his tries to to close on a guy for the puck at the side of the net but leaves his man wide open and that's the first goal of the hockey game why are you leaving your man wide open in front of the net that makes no sense to me when you want to keep him to the outside anyways so that was the first mistake other than that i thought that the first 40 minutes were great uh, like for what the Leafs have been, borderline perfect, <laughs> like other than that one blemish by CeCe. And then it just started, you know, that second goal I just talked about. And even that third goal, uh, Marshawn's second goal, he came screaming off the bench. Nobody caught him. No one picked it up. He picks up the puck, walks out in front, and basically the same thing. He had so much time, takes a shot, and he's able to get his own rebound because there's nobody there nobody around him, no one in front of the net to to, to uh, clear the garbage, and he puts it past Anderson again. The, the other thing, too, about you know both of those goals and just the game in general, I thought Freddie Anderson's rebound control was a little concerning in that game. I, I thought that he was giving up way too many second chances, and if you're going to keep doing that, then these elite players like Marshawn are going to bury. Like, tomorrow, if they keep doing that when they play the Golden Knights, you know, Pacioretty, Mark Stone, they are going to bury those second chance opportunities. So that's something that I think also Anderson's got to kind of tighten up a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's the only observation. I thought uh, there were some decent moments in the second period. Kapanen had that nice play uh, to set up uh, Tavares on the rush that he just missed. You know, um, there were some just misses, but ultimately uh, the, th- the third period decided this one, and they were woefully short in that decisive period. So 40 great minutes on Friday, 20
0: meh minutes for, uh, yeah, the, the final 20 minutes were kind of meh. And then Saturday came, 60 minutes of pure shittiness out of the Maple Leafs. <laughs> yeah. Like, from start to finish, this was possibly the worst hockey game that I've seen the Leafs play in a long time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Would you agree? I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I, I would. I would say this was, as I said to you, I, I hope this was rock bottom because it was ugly, uh, and I, I, you know, disappointed to see it. In in you hoped that they were going to bounce back and rally and and. All the excuses that could be leaned on uh, applied to the other side, right? The Penguins run the second half of a back-to-back as well. The Penguins are without Sidney Crosby, so even even those excuses fall by the wayside heading in, and, and to not even really show up, uh, really really disappointing. But it of an opportunity.
0: not only hold on, not only Crosby. Okay, so Crosby was gone. All right, that's obviously a major blow, but they were also missing Chris Letang. They were also missing uh, Patrick Hornquist, and they were also down their starting goaltender and their backup, Tristan Jerry, was in on the second night of a back-to-back. Yeah. So you have four of arguably four players of their core that were out of that game, and they were still able to come out and put up a sixth spot on
1: the Maple Leafs. And just That like, can't happen. And, and just... Easy, easy goals, oh. like l- wide open chances of getting oh, Malkin, was... being left alone, like basic, <laughs> basic, basic stuff just not being done. And uh, 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 I turned this one off. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> you know, I, you better things to do with your time than watch this team absolutely mail it in.
0: I And, and I felt bad for, you know, uh, Kaskisuo. We chatted on Friday about... You know we, we thought that we're trying to give the team hope saying okay they they let down hutchinson and they felt bad about that you know that they felt bad about it based on you know when he got sent down earlier last week that they had failed him and i felt maybe that that they would get a bump out of the fact that they didn't want to fail a second goaltender and i couldn't have been more wrong like they just they were playing awful in front of them that's at the end of the day which we're going to talk about later on but it finally looks like it's going to lead to some changes babcock is making some changes some line changes and we'll get to that uh, in the next segment but first i want to talk about the good the bad and the ugly but really it, so i think the good we can both agree maybe the first 40 minutes of that bruins game and then the the rest of it was just flat out ugly yeah oh
1: yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> perfectly said yeah 40 yeah, of 40 of 120 minutes uh not so bad but uh, nothing to take away from Pittsburgh other than, you know, it, just a total write-off, just a total nothing.
0: It was just uh, put that one in the rearview mirror, and uh, I guess we're moving on tomorrow. They got the Vegas Golden Knights. Road trip time, so road it, trip time. It, it doesn't get it's, – it's the thing. Like, it doesn't get any easier. They have two home games from here – until December seventeenth, so almost a full month where they only have two home games.
1: Yeah, like they and, and Matthews isn't scoring on the road at all. I think that's at all. Yeah, that's that's something that's obviously going to have to change. Uh, I you know um, maybe a, maybe a road trip is is not the worst thing in the world right now. Um, just obviously it's always going to be noise and always going to be talk when you're the Maple Leafs, but just to get away from the the full on throng of, of people, I think it might be a welcome uh sort of and and to get some late night games be out of the spotlight a little bit this might not be the worst thing but they just need to get a win here they need to get off the off the losing schneid and 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 really get things going back in any direction at all so um you know i'm trying to take this as as a rock bottom situation and and you have to try to move on and build from here because uh some real trouble
0: definitely and just so that people don't think that I'm talking out my ass here when I say that Matthews isn't scoring on the road. Just take a look uh, at his at his home and road splits. 13 games at home, 13 goals. Nine games on the road, one goal. One goal. Yeah, that's, that's it. It's
1: gonna have to. That's gonna have to change for sure. And it was on
0: the power play. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, he's gotta he's gotta get going when. Uh, when he's on the road here. All right, uh, so coming up on the other side, we'll talk about the news and notes that are going on with this team. Uh, there is a lot of uh, – there's going to be change going forward after this brutal weekend, so we'll chat about that change on the other side. All right, welcome back to Locked on Leafs podcast. Mike DeCefano alongside the Zoobs. Uh, did you see that Mike Babcock, the stubborn, stone-headed head coach of the Maple Leafs, actually is making some changes to his defensive pairings?
1: Yes, I, yeah. Matter of fact, I did. But lay it on me.
0: Finally, yeah. So, for those who are who uh, who haven't seen it yet, today at the Leafs skate, so we have been clamoring for these defensive pairings to get some sort of shakeup. And I mean, I actually I tweeted personally before I get into what the actual uh, lineups are. But after the game on Saturday, Babcock was quoted saying. We have to look at each other and get this fixed. No one outside is going to fix it. We have to fix it. We're all family in here. We have to take a look at each other hard, and we all have to do a better job. All of us. We have to be way better. And I quote tweeted that, and my response was, maybe start with tweaking your defensive pairings for a few games and see how it goes, then we can move on to your absurd goalie rotation stance. (laughs) And what do you know? It looks like Mike Babcock read my tweet, and he's like, you know what? Mike's right. Let's let's tweak these defensive pairings up a little bit. So this is what he came up with. Obviously, we're not going to be fully satisfied with these because Cody Cece and Morgan Riley still on the same pair. Well, that then, hasn't changed. Yeah, that's the problem. But do go on. <laughs> that hasn't changed. But what has changed is now Jake Muzzin is has a new defensive partner. He's going to be uh, with Justin Hall, and then Dermot. And Tyson Berry moved down to the third
1: pairing defensive. Like how do you like these new pairings? Man, let's give it up before we even get into that. Let's just give it up for a second for Justin Hall, who went from being scratched the entire season oh. last year to, to now being a second pairing guy. That's uh, right. That's top four. That that's responding to a challenge. Uh, you know, not the tweak I would have made, frankly. But, uh, you know, I think this is, a, this, is a, this is an attempt to get Barry sort of going, um, to get him with a guy like Dermott, who is really effective in that shimmy and shake and tight turns and, and uh, sort of offense from the outside and the ability to make the first pass and move. I think there should be, you know, uh, that pairing will probably get more time than, than Hall uh, and Dermott did, I, I assume. But I think that's who this shakeup is targeted towards is Tyson Barry.
0: That's that's actually a good point, and the fact that you have Riley and CC playing consistently, you know, twenty-two to twenty-five minutes a night. Riley a lot more than CC uh, due to other uh, factors, but. You know, maybe this is a a, – he's trying to maybe balance it out a little bit by moving Barry down to the third line, moving Hall up to the second line, and now instead of having a top-heavy first pairing, they kind of balance it out and bring those numbers down for Morgan, Riley, and CeCe closer to 20 and then push – these third pairing defensive minutes up closer to maybe 18, maybe 19 minutes a game, which might not be a bad thing. If that means that you're going to see more Barry and Dermott and less of Cody CC. Yeah.
1: I think that's, I think that is ultimately what we're aiming for here. And, and the idea that maybe five on five things will more or less shake out evenly. And, uh, special teams where will we be where the sort of the core players, uh, take the extra time. It's not the worst idea I've ever heard. Um, especially the part about taking some of the load off of Cody CC as somebody guarding the other team's best players. We will see. Uh, I think Muzzin's been hot and cold and, and we'll see how Hall uh, sort of meshes with him. But I'm open to the idea that, that the D pairings are, are willing to be changed. I think something we talked about recently on this show, I think in, sure. a, in a co-sign no sign recently. So um, definitely in favor of, of seeing some different things. And, and I know that, Uh, injury is going to force some different offensive looks as well uh yeah trevor moore plays on
0: ir pierre engvall being called up so now Moore joins alex kerfoot and morgan and uh mitch marner so they're starting to get banged up a lot and their depth is starting to be tested i mean pierre engvall never played a single game in the nhl and it looks like he might get a chance to play tomorrow night uh he's at least been called up so he'll be suiting up um and he'll be on the team, I, I guess, as as a 23-man roster. But you know, the they're gonna have to weather this storm. Like, and this is when the Leafs are gonna have to. I know they're on the road and they're kind of down on their luck. You know, I'm even Matthews came out and said that uh, you know the pressure is starting to get to him a little bit. You know, the the team needs to. Get going. And I think everybody feels that way. We talked about Tyson Berry and how we got to get him going or the the Leafs, not we, but the Leafs need to get him going. Not that we're expecting everything to change all at once because that's just not, you know, it's not the way things work in, in, in the real world. But, you know, Tyson Barry, it's nice that, that he's going to get a, a, a fresh start with a new defensive, uh, a new defenseman. I mean, I don't think Muzzin was his problem. I think he's just not being deployed properly. And let's see if we can get Barry on the power play, which is struggling right mm-hmm. now. You know, if, if they were clicking, then I would say, sure, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it is broken. Fix it. But a guy like Tyson Barry, who's been a power play quarterback for the past five years in Colorado, putting up 50, 60-point seasons. I understand that last year Morgan Riley did the same thing. But, like, let's try. It's not working this year. So let's try something new. Let's get Barry out there. Like I said, we're not going to get it all at once. But at some point, I do hope that uh, Barry gets a shot on, on this, you know, PP1 if, if it continues to struggle. Uh, but while we're on the conversation of Tyson Barry, he also had some interesting comments today with the media about how the contract he's in a contract year and it's kind of weighing on him a little bit especially considering how much he's struggling and how much it could cost him uh this offseason good or bad move on him to come out with that to the public
1: uh i think this is sort of honestly i think this is one of those things about playing in toronto that maybe you don't think about uh before you play here um where like, I don't th- I think if he was going through a cold spell in Colorado, you wouldn't really know about it, and you wouldn't really hear about it that much. But this is what happens here in Toronto, and I, I think maybe, probably not. He probably wishes he hadn't. Not that it makes a huge difference, but because it's true, people struggle with confidence. That's not a unique thing to him, and and you know, it would be sort of weird if he wasn't struggling with his confidence right now. But uh, I think there's a, l- a little bit of sort of being in the new market, and and. How hard it can be to play in Toronto to go through any spell at all where uh, there is struggle because, you know, it, f- it feels like after this weekend that they have no chance to ever win again. And we know that's not true and <laughs> things will things will perk up. Um, so I think he probably wishes he hadn't, but not a, a total disaster, but a, sort of a sign that uh, maybe not uh, as aware of all that went into being a member of the Maple Leafs then uh, before the season started.
0: I also like kind of the fact if you're taking him off the Barry pairing, that means that he or the, the Muzzin pairing means that he's not going to be going up against some of the league's top offensive talents. Right. And if he's on a third pair, that means that he's probably going to be facing a little bit of a lesser, I would say, uh, talent in the NHL, which means he could maybe try and flip the switch a little more and, and take advantage of his offensive talent that he that he's shown in the past, you know. So I, I, that's another uh, another benefit, I think, to to switching up the deep pairings that might help out Tyson Berry. Um, okay, one other thing that I kind of wanted to touch on quick uh, in terms of you know the news and notes of what went on today, because you know after a, a big bad weekend like the Leafs had, everyone was kind of put on notice, including Mike Babcock. Uh, Mike Babcock and hashtag fire Babcock was trending on Twitter. <laughs> it was trending. I put out a poll. I put out a poll question on our Twitter account, Locked On Leafs. Go ahead and follow it. We put out polls every now and then. It's also where we post a lot of good stuff. So I put out a poll, and I said, um, "Let me just find it real quick here." Who's to blame for the Leafs' struggles so far this season? Mike Babcock or underperforming stars? Mike Babcock won it big. Somebody also wrote in other and said uh, Don Cherry, but <laughs> that was just. Of course, silly, but it happened. And then I did another poll off that. Does Babcock make it through this road trip? Yes or no. Hashtag fire Babcock. Seventy-five percent said no. Fire Babcock. (laughs) And like, there's there's well over 150 votes in on these polls. Like it's not just like a couple of people. So it's. Man, Leafs Nation, not happy with Mike Babcock. What is your feeling? uh, Legit? What is your legitimate feeling? You know, deep down, we are probably both like, yeah, let's get this guy gone. But what do you feel is going to happen? I think that he is in trouble, and his seat is a little hot. Or like, how are you tipping, uh,
1: tipping your hand here? I think they'd have to be they'd have to really bottom out here. If, if, if if we got around, uh, you know, January, um, February, and they were not in a playoff position still, I think, you know, then maybe, maybe a move is made. We're looking at, uh, a major decision here and, and, and you have to really, really believe in Sheldon Keefe. If, if that's who you're going to put in, you have to be 100% sure that he's the right guy for this. Um, But yeah, I'm gonna have to we
0: should go check out we should go to a Marley's game and kind of see how they how they play live and and kinda get our own little view of how a Sheldon Keefe team is is ran. I think that would be a good little thing for us to do. Uh yeah, I would love to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Well, because we keep talking about, you know, Sheldon Keefe, he's the incumbent. Well, let's go ahead and scout this guy. Let's go and see, let's go down to the rank. We have that capabilities, I'm sure. We could figure that out. We we know people in some places. We could do that, yeah. or we could uh, ask our friend Harder Vlad. Yeah, see what he's doing.
1: Yeah, we we, anyways, we get the, we get the up. Pierre Engvall. <laughs> we, need the, we need the Pierre Engvall uh, scouting report. Um, no, but uh, you know, to, sort of to that to that end, I, I think there there is going to be pressure to do so, to to have some result this year. You know, we we, we talked at the beginning of the year that. We both thought if he didn't make the if they didn't get out of the first round of the playoffs, his job was in jeopardy. Well, now we're talking about qualifying for the playoffs. So if that looks like yeah. it's not happening, then yeah. As of now, they're not in a playoff spot. I, I think so. you have to give that a little more time. I think you have to give that at least oh, until into the new year. But you know, if they're not in a playoff position two months from now, and it's mid-January, I think it's it's a it's a possibility. I mean
0: this is a tough road trip like i said two home games in the next month calendar month if they cannot put together a bit a few wins here they need to at least be over 500 i think if they're under 500 and in the next 10 games they go like 3 and 7 or or 2 7 and 1 i just i don't know if he can Make it to the new year if this continues. That's bold. That's a that's a bold I, month of hockey. Well, it, it, <laughs> look what happened after one weekend, and they played decent. The one game, it was just it, literally that just that game against Pittsburgh was so gross. Uh, it, it just set a lot of people off, and if you know, it, it'd be pretty tough for for that team to play that bad again. But honestly, if they just don't turn it around soon. They're going to be in trouble, and Babcock is going to be in trouble. And he came out today said, I'm I'm betting on myself. I've always bet on Babcock. I'm going to continue to bet on Mike Babcock, which was hilarious and the most Mike Babcock thing
1: I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, but, but yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I, he, you're starting to get the questions directly to him. That means uh, he's at least aware of the fact that there are people discussing the idea that he might not be the like, oh, yeah. coach of the Maple Leafs. Oh, yes.
0: But then there's also the other side of the coin. Is it Babcock's fault? Do you blame a little bit higher up the chain? And before you speak, we're going to get that answer on the other side. Welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano with you alongside the Zoobs. All right, before we left off, I kind of teased a little bit that we were going to talk about maybe – the troubles that the Leafs are having might even go a little bit higher up the food chain than the coach and that's management is management more to blame than Mike Babcock for the way that this team has been performing
1: oh I mean that's a tough that's a tough one I, I think you can go either direction off of off of it because you could also say that you know a lot of this is on the players this is a very talented core that demanded a lot of money when it came their time to get paid and rightfully earned quite a bit of money but have not taken the step forward that the team needs them to take to be a more successful team this season we haven't really seen it uh in terms of uh, you know uh, somebody taking the reins and really taking over here so that also comes down to the players but ultimately the the front offices are the people who put the players in place and you know what I have started to think about and, and Justin Bourne at the Athletic sort of addressed this as well is you know, maybe they're a little too far ahead of the curve in trying to build a team with 100% skill players up and down the lineup and, and to not have any heavy-hit checking guys and any real heavy pressure forecheck guys that that can do some of the stuff that is losing them games right now, those momentary uh, brain farts, those, those small mistakes or small indecisions that don't uh, seem to ever go their way. There are guys that play with the energy that overturn those things, so... Um, you know th- there are questions to be asked i still think you know ultimately it's a it's a good core and and they will uh see a brighter day here and, and we're probably further down on them than they uh deserve because you know it it always looks much worse than it is and never as good as it feels when you're winning but um, but when
0: you look at the core yeah. and this is kind of this is kind of the, I think the the question that you know the Justin Bourne article got into. which is funny you brought that up because I was also gonna bring up that article and, and uh, kind of talk about it a little bit. So you know something about you know the Leafs core is that they're all very skilled. They're extremely skilled. Yeah. And there's no denying that they could be one of the most skilled teams in the league from top to bottom. You got guys on the fourth line. Who could play in your top six, and you wouldn't bat an eye because he could keep—they could keep up with the speed, and they—they could—they could, they have the hands and the hockey IQ to do it. Mm-hmm. That being said, there's a little bit more to the game, and I think that's what Justin in the uh, Justin Bourne article. For those who who haven't read it, it's over in the Athletic, and it's uh, it's titled "In Trying to Be Ahead of the Curve, Did the Lightning and Leafs Head Too Far Down the Road Down the Skill Road?" And I thought that he had a really good analogy, actually, uh, within the article where he talked about the NBA. And essentially what he said was this is this is kind of uh, like an NBA team, just putting a team together with a whole bunch of three point specialists. And sure, they could shoot the three as you know better than anybody. But then what are they going to do on the off nights when they're not really hitting their shots and someone's got a rebound? Then you're asking these small three-point specialists to get in there and rebound against guys like LeBron James, and that's not going to turn out very well. And that's when he kind of spun it back into hockey, into the Maple Leafs. That's kind of what the Leafs are falling into. They have so much skill, and they do a lot of good things with the puck, but they're just not gritty enough. And they've gone too far into the skill portion. Where when they play up, when they're playing against a better team, a more well-rounded team like the St. Louis Blues, like the Boston Bruins, they just they they get outworked by those teams and all the other little areas um, that
1: you know are are now deficiencies in the Maple Leafs lineup. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think there's plenty to that. And and I think it's also worth mentioning is let's not act like this skill. That they've acquired has them like running away with games in you know great scoring chances and just not getting luck like if you look at their shooting map against pittsburgh it's all on the outside it's all on the perimeter there's not a lot of like great in front of the net like high danger scoring chances the defense is taking a ton of shots uh, if you look at uh, shots attempted per game the the, the the matthews isn't like so far ahead of the some of the defensemen on the team which is not what you want, uh, it's, you know, it's it's been a, a very weird style that they've played as well to go along with that skill. And it's been um, well, it's just they're not concerning. playing defense to go
0: along with this. Skill. Yeah, that's the big problem. Right. Absolutely. Like at the end of the day, this
1: team right now,
0: you look at it, they are fifth in in scoring. They're fifth in scoring top five scoring team in the entire National Hockey League. Yet they are minus
1: six in goal differential. Yeah, that's trouble. Uh, does that even make sense? <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not it's not great. Um, yeah, so that's you know it, it's a concern. It's definitely a concern. And that's
0: kind of wh- why I want to talk about you know r- when it comes to roster construction, you know you give Mike Babcock all these cool toys, but at the end of the day, they can't perform to do the necessary, uh, you know find you know, the, the, the fundamentals of hockey. And ultimately that is why I think this team is struggling. And that's why you put the question out there. Is this Babcock or is this more on the front office and the way that they've constructed the team? Because yeah, cool. They're all, they're all skilled. They have immense talent, but at the end of the day, there's just some fundamentals that, that are required for a team. And it just seems like the Leafs lack that when it comes to grit, toughness, playing heavy, and that ultimately is why this team is struggling, in my opinion.
1: Sure. I I just have one last thing to sort of go back to the shots for a minute. I just want to think, you know, what do you make of this fact, right? Uh, The top five Maple Leafs in shots this year is Matthews and Barry tied— this is five-on-five, pardon me—five-on-five shots. Matthews and Barry are tied at the top with 52 apiece, then Riley, then Nylander, then Muzzin. So three of the top five in shots— our defensemen. What do you make of that?
0: Uh, y- Muzzin's in the top five in shots. Wow.
1: Yeah, um, five five on yeah, five. No, he's tied with Nylander.
0: <laughs> that's not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> that's that's what I that's what I make of that. Like you you have sixty percent of your shots being taken by defensemen. More or less, yeah. And that's again, like, I just want to say that
1: that's, that's five on five, not not including power play.
0: Right, right. And to me, you know, they're defensemen. Sure, you got guys like Tyson Berry, who are very offensive-minded as well, and Morgan Riley, but at the end of the day, you got to take care of your own business in your own zone. You can't be worried about making sure you take as many shots on goal as possible. And in that case, this is why... You know, Barry's having a bad season. He's getting caught in the offensive zone too much when play b- plays break down, and he's just so gung-ho offensively. And he, there's a, a number of, of Leafs defensemen that end up with this scenario, and that's how he gets so many odd man rushes coming back the other way. And how is your goalie going to stop a three-on-one or a two-on-one? You know what I mean? Like I think mm-hmm. that is definitely it's a good observation and certainly, I think, a, a problem. Anyway, just
1: interesting, interesting, interesting. Plenty of bad oh, yeah. numbers, plenty of bad numbers to uh sort through.
0: Yeah, and it's it's something that hopefully, you know, like I said, we finally have change and it's something that we've been asking for for weeks. So we have it now. Yep. Let's hope. And and some of it also has to do with injuries, you know. We we're missing three key players to to our top 6 uh, or our top 9, I guess. So, you know, we're kind of forced in a way also to to mix it up a little bit. But you know we're getting the defensive pairings; those are getting shifted around, and they're fully healthy. So I get we are getting the change that we are asking for, and we just gotta hope that you know there I am using that word hope again. Last time it didn't work out too well. <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, but it, you know you just gotta hope that yeah it changes. You know. And this happens. Team player teams don't stay healthy over full like other teams. I think Boston and and Pittsburgh are the two perfect examples to have played against like. How many guys that you've never heard of before have filtered through the bottom six, the bottom nine of Pittsburgh and Boston in the last few years, and yet they managed to both be consistently successful teams? You you have to have uh, a mentality that, that you can survive that and push through that and overcome that, especially when, even with those guys missing from the rotation, you know Matthews is still healthy, uh, Tavares is playing, the, the, the top, top guys... Are available and playing, so you know the, the injury excuse can only go so far to me. Yeah, well,
0: tomorrow night we'll see if uh, this new defensive pairing is going to spark this team at all. They're going to be in town against the Vegas Golden Knights. So tomorrow morning's episode, we will certainly be teeing that game up. But that's to do it for us here today on the podcast. I thank you for listening, and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms. Receive daily. Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck and follow Zoobs at The underscore Zoobs. All right, be sure to check back in here tomorrow where we will be teeing up the game against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.